Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wait, why am I in the wagon? <laughs> You're in the wagon, mate. It's me, you, John, Heidi Lee Morgan, and Adam Pacitti. <laughs> hey, I'm ready. Oh, right foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U. It ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cold Army Classic Raw review. We are here via the Ica Pro powered DeLorean that we've got parked out back. And we are back chronologically critiquing, thank you, OSW Review, every single gosh darn episode of Monday Night Raw from the very beginning to its bitter end or mine. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former two-time, two-time cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, Titan Shrugged himself, the head pen. Of Cultaholic. He doesn't need a pencil. He gets it right every time. He is Dave Meltzer, and he is off of America. Um, come again. <laughs> Are you not Dave? Ah, oh, Dave. Sorry, Dave. I thought you were no, Dave. I just, I just play him on Discord. <laughs> oh, that's you, is it? Uh, Dave, um, Dave's, been, <laughs> Dave's busy, I would imagine, writing a three thousand page wrestling observer newsletter on why the wrestling world is on fire it's um it's more of a manifesto at this point <laughs> i'm sorry yeah life. i uh won't be coming to bed tonight my generation um is gonna um make it right <laughs> i was hoping you'd say make it right <laughs> <laughs> Not making Can't you see? <laughs> this, um, it is the, oh god, um, it, it is the land of confusion. If anybody in the wrestling hemisphere lives in the land of confusion, it's Dave Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> John? Yeah, John, we need a... We need Meltzer instead of Genesis. <laughs> John, only you can put it right. Anyway, uh, we are back uh, watching classic episodes of Monday Night Raw. I use the word classic very lightly. Um, where and when are we for this week's episode of Monday Night Raw? Well, Tommy, it is uh, Monday, November 7th, 1994. We are live with a brand new set of tapings. We are at the posh and 
not at all obscure Fernwood Resort in beautiful downtown Bushkill, Pennsylvania. Yes, Bushkill, Pennsylvania. <laughs> we go to the best places. Thank you, Justin Henry. So Justin is going to very kindly walk us through this episode of Monday Night Raw. I will chip in with some witticism. That's what it says here. Uh, before we get to that, though, uh, I want to paint a little picture of the landscape of the wrestling world in this particular week. And this is the the week that I dreaded. This is the first shift back at work after your favourite colleague has left. This is the first day uh, back at school, knowing that your favourite teacher has, has, has left the school. This is our first Monday Night Raw in what will now be the post-Savage era of professional wrestling. I was always more partial to the post-Malone era. This is this is worse than post-Malone. This is this is post and alone. This is no more Randy Savage. So, in a stunning move, says Dave Meltzer from off of the past, whilst he sets down his Sony Walkman and pauses his game on Tetris. In a stunning move, the 10-year relationship of the World Wrestling Federation and Randy Savage, a.k.a. Randy Poffo, came to an end over the weekend, with Savage in the midst of serious negotiations with World Championship Wrestling. Savage, who turns 42 on the 15th of November, had apparently mended fences with Hulk Hogan after a bitter out-of-the-ring hatred between the two, stemming from Savage's much-publicised 1992 divorce. Apparently it was Hogan, or maybe Jimmy Hart, who wanting to relieve, relive the glory days against an opponent that he drew more money with than any other, patched things up to allow negotiations to bring Savage to WCW to feud with Hogan. Although Savage will come in as a babyface and turn during the summer to set up a major program in the fall in a scenario that looks to be a repeated format that they'll use often during WCW's Hulk Hogan's WCW tenure. They've even lined Savage up with a guest shot on Baywatch over the next mm -hmm. few weeks. That they did. Oh, was he good in Baywatch? Dude, nobody was good on Baywatch. <laughs> no, there was one thing that was good, and that was the music in the end credits. You, you know, got to reach out, take yeah. hold of my hand. That's the one! That's the one! Uh, Meltzer continues. Where would we get at press time is that Savage will debut at Starcade, making a guest appearance, and will debut in the ring at the January 25, 1995 Clash of Champions in Hampton, probably in a tag match with Hogan against the Butcher and Avalanche, a.k.a. Wow! Wow! Clash of Champions. Hulk Hogan and Macho Man versus Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Earthquake. Dub C Dub. Dub C Dub. <laughs> God, it's a shame they couldn't use the names. They could call him Beefquake. <gasps> oh, oh. Or, or Earthcake, which sounds good. Could they not have been? I mean, I mean Avalanche. I mean, could you not do? I don't know. Maybe something a bit sharper with instead of Avalanche. Could you maybe call them? I don't know. The Butcher and the Blade. <laughs> Perhaps you know. Those damn truck thieves. <laughs> Come here, 
Uh, Meltzer prattles on. Although the deal with WCW apparently hadn't been completed, WWF President Vince McMahon apparently received word of the serious negotiations going on uh, between Savage and Bischoff. It led to a split between the two. Savage was doing promos for being a special ref for the Bob Backlund versus Bret Hart title rematch at Madison Square Garden on the 26th of November, as recently as one week prior. Publicly, McMahon did something he had never done before on the live Monday Night Raw, and we will get to that when we get to that. Uh, reports are there... Uh, are a lot of reports are there are a lot of shocked people in the WWF over Savage's leaving because even though his days as their big money draw were over, he was still the single wrestler most identified with WWF and the big link to the glory days. And McMahon considered him a good friend. Yeah, Bret Hart um, talks about that in his memoirs, which I have the passage right here. Ooh, Regalus. Yes, he says. Uh... By the time we got to the TVs in Bushkill, Pennsylvania, the news was only just hitting and hitting hard. Randy had jumped the WCW. Jack Lanza told me how Randy called Vince at 4 in the morning, drunk, to tell him he'd signed. He quotes Lanza as saying, Randy never even gave Vince a chance to make a counteroffer. I found Vince in his office, and I could tell he was shaken. I told him, I've only really worked for two people in my life, you and my father. I want you to know that no matter what happens, I'm loyal to you. Vince had tears in his eyes, and so did Lanza when he came up to me later to thank me for being so supportive. Wow. So, yes, uh, I guess um, even though there were negotiations, as Brett recalls it, it was a bit of a surprise that Savage had jumped, even though, you know, how, how often was Savage going to sit on the goddamn sidelines doing nothing? Well, this is it. Like, we're watching this with hindsight but even in the moment when you watch these as they were rolling out in 94 there was that deep sense that savage desperately wanted to do more than just commentate and you know what he desperately had so much more to offer as well yeah for the next three years in wcw savage actually brings a lot to the table before he started having serious knee problems in late 97 that pretty much spelled the end of him as an effective wrestler and then as an active wrestler but even though there was so much there was so much in WCW that was all over the shop, I seem to remember some some great matches between Randy Savage and DDP. Oh, and those were God, that was such an underrated feud. It got Page over. You have two guys who were who were known for like a, for just planning their matches out to like the most minute detail ahead of time. And what you got were just some incredible bouts. Savage's last great matches ever, actually. Seek them out on the network. They are underrated classics. In, in, a modern, in an era like this one, those are underrated classics. They don't get enough love. Spring Stampede and Great American Bash 97 culminating with the Las Vegas sudden death match at Halloween Havoc 97. Amazing. Uh, meanwhile, around the rest of the wrestling world, uh, Sabu is broken. No. Oh, he know. Uh, just a couple of days before this particular episode, of Monday Night Raw at the ECW Arena in Philly. Two minutes into Chris Benoit's match against Sabu, there was a miscommunication 
regarding a move. Sabu took a backdrop where he attempted to do a full half flip. Instead of making it, he landed on his head. Now, Sabu told Paulie dangerously to stop the match immediately uh, because he believed he had broken his neck and was taken to the hospital that night. Considering Sabu insisted on going on a few weeks ago in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, after cracking his ribs early in the match with Cactus Jack, then after catching his breath doing several suicidal high spots, the idea that he wanted the match stopped with his mental toughness and borderline insanity tells you just how much pain he must have been in. That's the words of Dave Meltzer, not I. If you have ever seen, if you have never seen that spot, and and I reckon that maybe some younger fans in in the, in the post Benoit world may never have seen the clip because it was never in highlight packages post two thousand seven. Benoit hooked Sabu like he was going for the old Ric Flair knee breaker where you fold the guy's leg in and then you kind of brace him in for the lift. But instead of doing that, he he launched Sabu into the air like he was doing a caper toss. Sabu flipped over upside down. And just landed square on his freaking head. It was one of the. God, I'm picturing it now, and, and it's still cringeworthy. It's uh, it, it's it's just it's it, and the, and the thing is, as it transpired, Sabu didn't break his neck. Uh, it was reported as a bruised spine, a cracked vertebrae, and some nerve damage in his shoulder. So that's all right. Uh, he's expected out of action. <laughs> Uh, probably uh, for a little while as he recovers from it all. But it could have been a lot worse. But because, and this is, I remember hearing all about this in the Rise and Fall of ECW documentary. Because he hadn't broken his neck, they went to town on using this footage to get Chris Benoit over as, well, this is where the name The Crippler came from from this particular movement and they they showed you at great detail i remember there was a an episode of hardcore tv where they showed the spot where sabu lands seemingly on his neck and they've got the uh, the little light pen out and they're showing you like where he lands how he falls they go to town mm. on it big style yes it's the old john madden telestrator where the demonstrate you see right here folks oh, you, you know yeah sabu's upside down he Lands right on his head, and boom, blows his vertebrae out. That's exactly what they say. That's, that's, why, John the John, that's why the John Madden games work so well on the Mega Drive, because the, 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 the sound was so glitchy anyway, nobody realised that it was it was just John Madden the way he speaks. Well, John Madden, he may not be the most articulate person, but there's a reason why he was successful as a commentator. He could take complex stuff and break it down for the layman to understand. He was the best at it. He's a bit like John Eiley. Yeah, because John Eiley has his own you know, a video game franchise centered around sports. Uh, I could see that. John? Tra travels in a giant bus. <laughs> John, can you put yourself on the cover of Madden, please? Yes, we need Eiley 21. <laughs> Thank you, mate. You're to hell with Lamar Jackson. Put yourself on there. <laughs> Uh, pop quiz, Justin Henry. Do you know the major wrestling event that took place the night before this episode of Raw? Well, I think it was actually... Actually, yeah, it wasn't it before. That would be when worlds collide. It was indeed. Triple A and World Championship Wrestling coming together for uh, a huge show. Uh, one of the <clears throat> a, the biggest show, according to Meltzer, put on by a foreign-based promotion ever in the United States from the Los Angeles Sports Arena. 
No buy rate figures will be available until the end of the week, but due to botched-up television promotion on the pay-per-view, the buy rate isn't expected to be anything special. Oh, dub-see-dub. Prior to the start of the show, this comes from Wikipedia, the producers from WCW and Turner Broadcasting made several changes to the format, including reducing the overall time by 40 minutes. This forced AAA to change the first three matches from traditional best-of-threes to single falls. The producers also cut back on the elaborate entrances that AAA likes to use as well they weren't allowed to have a dark match for the broadcast to rev the crowd up and they wanted el hijo del santo versus eddie guerrero one on one as opposed to the tag team match that was already booked sounded like wcw just tried to bugger with this show quite a bit justin well yeah but even then it was still a tremendous show for, for those of you who've never seen it god i wish this was on the network it was um if you've never seen the two out of three falls match i'm pretty sure it's on eddie's d a DVD that came out in 2004, Octagon and El Hijo del Santo versus Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar in a two out of three falls mask versus hair match. My God, this is this is a genuine five star match. It is legitimately. Dave Meltzer even gave it five stars. Well, I'm with Dave on that one. It's an amazing match. Uh, and sad, unfortunately, it occurred uh, three weeks before, about three weeks before the death of Art Bar. Yeah, which uh, had a profound on the. Uh, on the uh on the timeline that is unfortunately we have to talk at art bar in a couple of weeks time and it did have a profound effect on eddie but this was also the show where ray mysterio really got a, a lot of you know national exposure here in the united states it's part of a six-man tag that included psychosis latin lover and a few others and of course ray was just he was ray do you As you'd expect. think that we'll ever see this show on the network you probably have to you know consult with AAA and make some sort of deal, but maybe one day. It is such a curiosity for people who've never seen it. But what I think is actually really funny is um, very recently Melter was on was on Twitter fielding some questions about this show because there was a lot of interest in the talents that were on it because you got Mysterio, you got Benoit, Scorpio, Eddie Guerrero, and various others who went on to join ECW or WCW. And to me, what's hilarious is Meltzer pointed out that, that there's only one talent on the show that officials in, in WWE were interested in, and it was Louis Spicoli. <laughs> he was the biggest guy because he was he was the physically heaviest wrestler on the show. Vince likes a lot of tonnage. He likes a lot of tonnage. <laughs> That's a shirt. He only hired Vince Tony because he had ton in his name. That's right. He was tons of fun. Tons. <laughs> John. <laughs> Tons of Tony. I want I want uh, Brodus Clay and Jack Tony dancing together. So that is the wrestling world uh, in this particular week. I now hand over to my erstwhile colleague Justin Henri, who is going to talk us through uh, this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. So you get to talk about how it showed or a pay per view that drew thirteen thousand fans at the Los Angeles Sports Arena, mm-hmm. and I'm going to cover the one that draws about fifteen hundred fans at a glorified ski resort. Um, office building <laughs> yes you are mate <laughs> well we hit the opener immediately and it's a damn good opener this is the best part of the show it's bret hart and davy boy smith versus owen hart and jim neidhart davy's now wearing shorts we learned that the one two three kids will be on tonight's king's court oh i can't wait for that because <laughs> i've gotten so used to you know tell it like it is sean waltman so it's a bit jarring to hear uh you know, 
Uh, I'm just gonna give it a hundred percent, Sean Waltman, when he was like 22 years old. Oh, it was such a such a wet blanket of a promo <laughs> that we get from him later on. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna take it one match at a time. Gonna give it 110 percent. Gonna do my best. Gonna follow the rules. As, because <laughs> when I think Sean Waltman, that's who I think of. So yes, Brett and Bulldog versus Owen and Owen and Nightheart. This is a uh, you got the family here, so. You, you figure this would be a good match as long as they're all, you know, on on their A game or as good as they can be. What I think is amazing here is that Brett and Bulldog attack before the bell, without provocation. They're the faces. They do just jump them, don't they? I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> I just keep thinking of all times like like, like Hulk Hogan would cheat on Saturday's main event with like like like, a, like an eye poke or a closed fist, and Vince Ford would always call him out on it. Now you can't condone this, McMahon, because because baby faces are cheers. And Brett and Bulldog just back jump Owen and the uh, the new foundation here. And it's and, and Vince is like okay with it. Boot to well, Vince. Boot to Vince on this one. I'm wondering if this was a partial rib because Vince and Lawler they opened the show you know staying at ringside and you know tell us what we're going to see tonight on microphone and and this is a live show so you know there's going to be a I mean, this is broadcasting live. So in Brett and Bulldog j- jump Owen and Nightheart, there is dead silence on commentary because Vince and Lawler have to rush to the table and get on their headsets. I was wondering what it. the silence was. I didn't. I thought they might have edited something out, maybe. No, I think it was just them trying to get to the table and scramble. Like, <laughs> there's damn hearts pulling a rib. I bet Owen orchestrated it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him, you know. Mm. Well, you know, we always hear about how how strong Jim Neidhart is. Yes. Well, apparently, he can't catch Owen because Bulldog had Owen up oh, in, right, a, in the gorilla press and threw him down on the Neidhart on the floor. And Neidhart uh, didn't do the best catching job. <laughs> oh, Jim Neidhart. Maybe that was a rib too. <laughs> This whole match is one giant rib. I said to you last week I was a bit nerv- unnerved about this match. I didn't feel like... And you talked me down saying, hey, there's some great wrestlers in here. You talked me round to that, Justin. Well, it got better. <laughs> it did, to be fair. But it was not Jim Neidhart's fault. I gotta say, it is pretty weird to see um, Brett and Neidhart beating each other up. Is something... It's like watching Sean and Marty go at it. It just doesn't seem right. It feels like at this point, this was where they had finally decided. Because there was a brief point just before we decided to go all in on Bob Backland that they were toying with Brett versus Neidhart as a thing. And on paper... Which they did do a house shows. They did do a house show run with it, but it was something they were possibly looking at in a, in a bigger way. But there's... And I get it on paper; it makes sense. I.e., it's the former tag team split up, and the, the one d- declares, you know, dominance over the other, and then they fight back, and all happy families. But I never would have bought Neidhart as a top liner in the same in the same. I bought Janetti and Michaels being on the same level, but I never would have bought Neidhart and Hart on the same level. Well, maybe a few years earlier, when Neidhart could still go, but at this point, he's uh. He's pretty far gone. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, we get Nyhart putting Brett in a bear hug and Brett bites him in the face to break it. They're proper heels. 
<laughs> I know this is such a weird match, but it was. I mean, it's, he's showing Nightheart's a big, strong boy, and that's the you know, only way he can get out of it. Got a great line from Lawler here where he says, No one likes their in laws, McMahon. You know that. <laughs> kind of funny given who's running the show today. Oh. The in law. <laughs> yes, it seems that way. We learned that Brett has accepted the submission stipulation for Survivor Series for his title match with Bob Backlund. And it, will, and it will be the towel match, which is actually a great concept that we'll explain a little bit later on in, in more detail. We get a long period of Bulldog playing face in peril. As Lawler tells Vince, don't live in the past, McMahon. Let's think about the future. Of course, you tell Vince that today you get fired. Uh, it's, oh, God, yeah. It's a very different world now. Lines like that do make me chuckle. But that wouldn't even yeah, be the funniest uh... thing tonight oh, I, can't wait. I can't wait to see what you have for that one mm-hmm. there's something very very bizarre that they come out with a bit later on we get a, a, a great low key spot here where Owen covers Bulldog Bulldog kicks out by throwing Owen off him and Owen does a forward roll off the bump <laughs> was, I, I was just watching the Simpsons the other day where Homer went to college because he um he needed his degree in nuclear physics or whatever it was, and, and the spot where where the um where the pig bites Homer, and Homer's trying to, Homer's trying to fight back at it, and all the nerds and Bart are trying to restrain him, and Bart's holding and Bart is clinging to Homer's leg, and Homer kicks and sends Bart flying. That's what that reminded me of. <laughs> it's just weird. This is this 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 is a weird match. I felt like this could have been like this could have potentially been a belter, but it was all right. I thought it was a good TV match. It, it, was it wasn't right. like it was just building to the hot tag and then a little bit of fun after that. Hmm. Although, if you need any indication that Nightheart was wasn't going anywhere, he hits the anvil flattener on Bulldog to no drama, gets a two count. It's just like a regular move. That's a shame when a, when a big finishing move just gets demoted like that to just a standard common or garden move well oh, i mean at this point he's using the key crusher because <laughs> he, he invented um, well, i suppose he is isn't it yes look he was a dollar every time he does it <laughs> we do have a timely reference that actually makes sense where vince compares back on the george foreman who at 45 had just won the world heavyweight title from i believe it was michael moore not Michael Moore, because that would have been a more one-sided fight. It's pretty on brand for Vince to quote something like this, though, at this point. Well, in this case, I mean, I, I know we tire of his pop culture references. Like, hey, did you know that 80% of Americans um, swallowed chewing gum or whatever the hell he goes on about? Oh, no, it's for me. The Vince the Vince uh, quality pop culture references are, and a big slab by Owen Hart. And uh, you're talking a big, how about... How about Gretchen Gretchison? He, she's 97 today. She sang at my birthday one. That's the pop culture that I live for with Vince McMahon. Yes, he's shoehorning with a battering ram. <laughs> yeah, literally like crashing through the gates of a one-liner. <laughs> Owen Hart might need to go to a brothel after that move. And speaking of brothels, did you hear about the Vegas brothel that got shut down? Jesus, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> that came out of left field. Anyway. So we have a funny little chase sequence between Brett and Owen. 
which will actually foreshadow Survivor Series in some ways. They're just running all around the ring, Brett trying to get Owen for some infraction. Then finally, referee cuts Brett off as Owen runs in and hits the heart attack clothesline on Bulldog while Nightheart's holding him up. Now, I right, like that, awesome. that. That was cool. And not only does he outrun his brother, he steals his old tag finisher. That's brilliant. I just that's that's cool. That really that really made me smile. That did busting that bad boy out. So at least there was that. And they're just milking this hot tag forever. And I'm trying to remember how this next spot went because I, I watched this three days ago. But I think there's a spot where Nightheart is choking Bulldog on, on the mat near the ropes. And he's buying at the camera going, bah! He's just, bah! Yeah, he's just like growling into the camera. He's just, I, I wrote in my notes here, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, Jim Nightheart screaming and sweating. And he's just in the, in the face of the camera going, ah, ah, <laughs> And you just see these little drops coming down his head. Like, this guy is having a workout tonight. I wrote in my notes, do you think Nightheart remember? I recalled this match the next day. <laughs> do you think it was just like a, he thought it might have been a fever dream? You might have woke up and go, hey, guys, so are we ready? <laughs> are we ready for the match tonight? It's like, well, we had the match, mate. It was, it was last night. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Bark to the in... camera. <laughs> when were we in Bushkill? <laughs> What's Bushkill? <laughs> so it, we had a second commercial break because this match is uh, it's a lengthy one, actually. I am I'm liking, and I know it's a long-standing trope, but I feel like I'm noticing it more than ever, at how Vince McMahon is, is, so, is so signposts when they go to a break. Because his whole inflection changes sometimes mid-sentence. He'll go, oh, great slam. Bye, Jim Nightheart. We're going to be back in a minute. <laughs> and he's still, he's still getting to grips with time in it. Because every time tonight, I felt like whenever they went to break, he'd be like, oh, this is, we'll be back in a <laughs> Oh, you want, you want to talk timing on this show? <laughs> we have some stuff to discuss. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> We get the classic unseen tag spot where the face tags in behind the referee's back and then gets cut off because uh, ref didn't see it. You know, somewhere Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler are watching this match and nodding proudly. That's a classic move, that. I'm a big fan. So while, while Brett's being taken back to his corner, the heels screw up somehow. Bulldog finally tags and Brett cleans house. We get this awesome uh, um, partnership sequence where... Nightheart has Brett up. Bulldog drop kicks Brett in the back to put him on top of Nightheart. But as referees are moving, Davy Boy Owen comes off with a, with a flying elbow on the Bulldog and puts Nightheart on top. So a little bit of chicanery from both teams here. But then eventually Bulldog pulls Owen to the floor. Brett puts Nightheart in the sharpshooter and Nightheart gives up, giving us Davy Boy's victory jog around the ring. It was a fun little match. I mean, I mean, fun 20-minute match, but classic tag formula stuff. I love that stuff. Yeah, there were some good bits in there. There was I was pretty unnecessarily harsh, but there were some uh, there were some good moments in there, and a lot of it guided by mm-hmm. Brett, I do believe, and maybe Owen. Well, yeah, it, it was just basic stuff. I mean, they've all been tag wrestlers earlier in their careers. Three out of the four have been tag team champions at this point. It's just part of successful teams, like great teams, the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. It's just funny because I see so many matches they put on like this. And I just feel like you could make such a bigger deal out of this. And you could you could make this such a more focal point. It's They're still in this weird mindset where the main event goes on first. And I don't well, know how I always feel about that. Well, see, the thing about it is you, 
especially at this point in the calendar, it, when you're opposite Monday Night Football, you want to try to hook somebody immediately with something. Because if someone gets invested in the football game, if it's competitive, you know they're not flying back to the USA Network at 9:45 to see, you know, your wrestling main event. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I guess, mm. I guess it makes sense. And, Still annoying and it, though. <laughs> and it is kind of the old Saturday Night's main event formula, where the, where all the heavy stuff would go on early on. And um, actually, because, I did like yeah, that I mean, about when they brought back Saturday Night's main event before WrestleMania in two thousand six. And like mm-hmm. the opening match was Triple H and John Cena versus Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, and Rey Mysterio. Like straight out of the bat, I think because we were so accustomed by that point to shows that built to a main event. To have the main event on first when I watched it then was, was mm-hmm. felt quite fresh. But like I think every week now, I feel like every time like it's the opening match. Like there's no and then what you and I wouldn't mind if what they had at the other side was equal or, or close to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but even even his more modern ones still end up with something big like Sean versus Shane in the street fight. Mm, exactly. Back back in the eighties, it was like Coco Beware versus Akeem <laughs> going on at twelve fifty at night or in the morning. And it, and, and it's right before the match. Stay tuned after this match for comments from from the, from the world champion Hulk Hogan. Or just to make just to make sure that you didn't just conk out and go to sleep at the like, okay. I'm not watching this two minute squash. That's what the champ says. Mm-hmm. So we go to the rudimentary animation, which which can I mean one thing that is the Survivor Series 1994 report. Now, Justin, do yes. you like I do now get a little buzz in your gut when you see this animation and you start asking yourself, "What is Todd wearing this week?" And I what? did this week for the first time, where I was like, "He has had some killer outfits." Over the last couple of weeks, I'm ready to see what he's wearing this week, and I was not disappointed. Okay, truth be told, every week I tend to um, crap all over what Todd's wearing because he dresses like some open biker from 1988. (laughs) But this shirt right here, I would wear this around the house. (laughs) Now, are we sure that this was a T-shirt? And he wasn't just green screened with the background. <laughs> well, we have to describe what he's wearing. Yes, he's wearing we the official event shirt for Survivor Series '94. It has the purplish orangish uh, Texas evening skyline, basically emblazoned all over the shirt. It is an all over print shirt with the logo, and I can't remember much else about it. But basically, this was very stylish at the time. The all over shirts. You may have seen the Razor Ramon design with like the yellows and the whites. That's the all-over print that isn't just like a front design. It encompasses the entire fabric of the shirt. And it's uh, it needs to make a comeback. This design, I think. <laughs> I think for some people it hasn't gone away. Those being people that live near me. <laughs> There's guys outside his house most weeks. Just, just kicking back in like old tie dye shirts. <laughs> it might or might not be topping. <laughs> there is a guy the that wears said, them near me though, and he's a bit of a hero. The said tie dye shirt guy smell like feet. Um, I haven't got that close to smell him, but okay. I would assume so. Well, t- anyway, Todd has some goodwill here just for wearing that shirt. I'm like, all right, 
I'm going to give you a chance this week, Todd. I'm not going to bury you. <laughs> and it is a shirt from Goodwill, funnily enough. <laughs> hey, if that wasn't my Goodwill, I'd be there in two seconds. <laughs> Four bucks? Hell yeah. So what um, do you think, though, of what he said? The mouth words. Well, <laughs> the mouth words, as, as, as opposed to, well, I guess, a written word. Well, there's some, there's some arse words that he's come out with quite a bit. <laughs> At least he's just coming out of the right end. Well, you say that, but he goes into this. I don't even know how you describe this. He talks about some guy named Billy Jasper. Now, who... Billy Jasper was uh, was a a criminal. I understand he was a he was a, a proper baddie. Like he used to do money laundering and stuff. Well, apparently Billy Jasper, according to Toad Petting Zoo here. Um, he tried. He waited too long to order the show a year ago, and because he waited too long, he was unable to procure it for himself. So he went mad and is now a criminal, and basically don't end up like Billy Jasper. <laughs> the face I made was was the crush of the clown. What the hell was that face? Except I did not have a cigarette in my mouth. I had a Slim Jim in honor of the departed Randy Savage, and I was I was baffled. What the <laughs> hell was that? I think it was one of those things where he had one take and he's just like, look, I've got to get out of here by half past because I've got dinner reservations. So whatever comes out, we're just going to go with. Does that mean Todd's wearing that shirt when he goes out to dinner? Yes. Okay, that makes it, that <laughs> he makes might, it somewhat better. He might better. put his, his off purple suit jacket on from last week <laughs> just to complete the look. <laughs> he's, going as, he's going as 1994 for Halloween. I had a thought, right, on the subject of um, Toad Petting Zoo. As we had in your house just last week featuring a return from Todd Pettingill, since we are getting the Great American Bash next week, which legendary announcer should come back with it? Which legendary announcer? Well, somebody from WCW that was famous for doing pieces to camera during the height of the Great American Bash. Mark Madden? Madden, possibly. I wonder whether they might make, they might just dress up Bischoff for a laugh. That's, I suppose you could. And if he wasn't with AEW, you know they'd have put the call in to Tony Schiavone. Um, yes, they tried to get him back in 2019. They did. They did indeed. But then Cody Coleman says, don't sign anything yet. Stay with us. Come to us and talk about stuff with Jim Ross. Keep Jim Ross on the straight and narrow. <laughs> Well, here's the Carver Survivor Series. It, it is in its complete form, which is sad to say. Um, Tigger versus Yoko in the casket match, which will have <laughs> Chuck Norris. I thought then you said Tigger versus Yoko. <laughs> John! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to face Yoko Luna! I'm going to bounce him into the casket! Oh, no, I'm levitating. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, get me down! <laughs> Hang on, let's have it brown now. <laughs> Marty! Oh, God, how quickly he shift from Tigger to Dr. Emmett Brown from Back to the Future. Yes, he did the network special, The Last Hop. <laughs> they say bounce things what Tiggers do best. But I ain't gonna bounce no more unless Vince McMahon wants me to bounce in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't retire. The money's too good. The money's too good in Saudi Arabia. And Michelle may... likes vacations overseas. After I bounced with Goldberg, I said I was never going to bounce again. Boy, are we filling this week. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the, um, we get a promo video for the guest enforcer, Chuck Norris. Yes! Chuck Norris! <laughs> this is ace. This is one hell of a get for the WWF. But the thing oh, is, you have no idea. In, in hindsight, it is bigger than it is in current sight. Because he becomes mm. such a meme in years to come and has no idea. He becomes such, a, such an ironic love in years to come. But at the height of this, it's super take-yourself-serious Chuck Norris. This is long before Chuck Norris facts Chuck Norris. But still, I mean... You see, he's still incredibly uh, uh, testosterone-fueled, as evidenced by the fact that many women got pregnant just from watching this promo video. I got pregnant watching it. Well, I can see that. <laughs> exactly, mate. I know, it's Chucks. But I just, Good luck. I just love how it's like, it's it's just pure beauty from Chuck. It's these nice shot it's nice these nice blurry shots of him tipping his cap combined with him in the in the dojo fighting everybody just like hey i'm a badass and then he puts over the company which is what all special guests should do where he says that the biggest badasses are in the world wrestling federation like yeah that's what you do you put them over he should have been in the brawl for all oh my god chuck won the brawl for all in the first round <laughs> and every Raw for weeks afterwards was a memorial show for somebody. <laughs> but Chuck, the Brawl for All is still going on. <laughs> and, uh, well, it, it is helping with the world population. you got to give him that. Yeah, he's keeping the population down. Why have we got Chuck on COVID yet? <laughs> Chuck, <laughs> Chuck is the only one that can punch COVID 19 out of people. Well, no, Chuck gave COVID Chuck Nars. Because <laughs> Chuck Norris can kill your imaginary friends. It's, he certainly can. <laughs> he, he doesn't play hide and seek. He, he plays hide and pray. I don't find you. <laughs> he has two speeds fast and kill. <laughs> when Chuck Norris gives you the finger, he's telling you how many seconds you have left to live. <laughs> <laughs> Giraffes were created with Chuck Norris uppercut of the horse. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck... <laughs> Chuck Norris doesn't wear a watch. He decides what time it is. <laughs> Chuck Norris counted to infinity twice. Chuck Norris' blood type is AK-47. <laughs> there is Chuck no Norris. theory of evolution. Just a list of creatures that Chuck Norris allows to live. <laughs> Chuck Norris can cut it. Chuck Norris can cut a knife with butter. <laughs> Chuck Norris once strangled someone with a cordless phone. <laughs> Chuck Norris plays Russian roulette with a fully loaded revolver and wins. <laughs> Chuck Norris' grenade has a silencer. 
Chuck Norris's daughter <laughs> lost her virginity, so he went and got it back. <laughs> 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 If Chuck Norris wanted to, he could rob a bank by phone. <laughs> Bill Gates lives in constant fear that Chuck Norris's PC will crash. <laughs> Chuck Norris doesn't worry about high gas prices. His vehicles run on fear. <laughs> <laughs> the reason newborn babies cry is because they know they've entered a world with Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris does not hunt because the word hunting implies the possibility of failure. Chuck Norris goes killing. I believe it. Chuck Norris would squeeze orange juice out of a lemon. (laughs) My all-time favorite. Chuck Norris lost his virginity before his dad did. Oh, Chuck Norris facts. It's the 90s all over again. All right, look, uh, enough fun. Let's get back to Survivor Series 94. I forgot. This isn't about fun this week. No, it's uh, the bad guys versus the Teamsters. It's Razor. Todd rolls his R's. Don't ever do that again, Todd. (laughs) Razor, Kid, Bulldog, and the new head drinkers versus Sean Diesel, Jarrett Owen, and Neidhart. Guts and Glory. Luger and the job squad of Mabel, Adam Bomb, and the Smoking Guns versus the million dollar team of Tatanka, Bigelow, the Heavenly Bodies, and 12 foot tall King Kong Bundy. <laughs> He's so tall. And Clowns are Rush versus the Royal Family. Let's move on. And Brett versus Backlund in the world title submission towel match, which is actually a hell of a concept. I like it. I, li- I like the idea that, you know, you've got people in the court and the sides with towels. That they got to throw the, and you know if they if you've had enough, mm. they throw the towel in. Yes, Brett and Bulldog, or Bulldog is in Brett's corner. He welds a pink and black towel. Owen is in Backlund's corner welding the purportedly the same towel, hopefully washed that Arnold Scullin threw in 11 years ago on Backlund's behalf to save him from the camel clutch. And basically, these are garden variety submission match, but you can't really give up. Your corner man has to give up for you. So. It's almost like a pride thing where it's like, you know, you, you could submit, but you're going to grandstand hoping that your corner man saves you so that you don't have to – in order for you to save face kind of. It's actually kind of a smart psychological concept there. I really like it as the concept. One of the more clever things they did in 94. And the, and the match, as we'll see, lives up to that sort of cleverness. Mm-hmm. We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. So we get a really weird moment here coming out of the, out of the Survivor Series report where Vince mentions two production workers by name who were injured earlier in some kind of accident and wishes them well. Yeah, I'm confused by this. So this is the bit I mentioned earlier about weird things that Vince says. He gives he gives his respects to, uh, according to the, the subtitles on the WWE Network, Mark Ronaldo and Paul Rambo. For the, Paul Rambo? From Unitel Video Productions. Yeah, wait... His name is Rambo? Apparently, apparently it was Mark Ronaldo and Paul Rambo. Well, he didn't draw first blood then. <laughs> hey! <laughs> what happened here? They were talking about they were out taking videos of this of the of beauty and filming beautiful shots for this here show and they got hurt. Like all I can think of is they went into a field to take a picture of a of a bull and got and got gored. Or something. Well, I don't know. <laughs> 
Tom? Yes. I I know you're from the UK, so you wouldn't know. But why in the helliest of hells would there be bulls in eastern Pennsylvania? For fun. Eh, fair enough. Anyway. <laughs> Chuck Norris punched a bull so hard that it landed in eastern Pennsylvania. It could happen. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We're all brought to you by Sega, Tom. <sighs> yeah. As if it knows what the hell a Sega is. I loved hearing Vince talk about the Sega Game Gear. <laughs> and, and, and the Sega CD. <laughs> this is a really cool week uh, for video games. Just a little dance around this. It's Raw is sponsored by Sega. Uh, we're two weeks away from the Sega 32X, which gets a US release on the 21st. Do you remember the 32X? I remember, but I never had it. I just had the Garden Variety Genesis. Uh, it was basically it was basically a hip replacement for the Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. which kind of kept it ticking along for a little bit longer. There was a, an ill-fated Knuckles solo game that came out for it called Knuckles Chaotix that was very fun. Played it on an emulator many years later. Uh, meanwhile, in the same month, uh, we got Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo. We got our first taste of Warcraft. And we got King's Quest Seven: The Princeless Bride. The Princeless Bride? The Princeless Bride on MS-DOS. Was Fezzik in that? Sadly, not. But it's he always. Ah. But the the King's Quest games were always uh, very much tongue inserted in cheek, based on that sort of fantasy genre, and they gotcha. were always good fun. I encourage you to go and watch um, any episode of Game Grumps where they play King's Quest games. They're always fun episodes or Space Quest games. I recall this was the point in my life when we started playing Oregon Trail in school in the computer lab. Oh wow. Which, so this was the um, this is always a part where you would take the five names and name them for all the classmates you hated and then kill them. 
<laughs> because I was a sociopathic fifth grader. <laughs> hey, Greg, you got dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna crap yourself to death. <laughs> yeah, that's much how it went. They'll teach you, Greg. Where are you going? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna my. kill. I'm gonna kill all the squirrels. Is Oregon Trail still something that you can play? I think. It, I think so. Yes. <laughs> I'm it's, curious. We need to like combine Oregon Trail with like uh, some sort of, some sort of, some sort of like, online RPG game. <laughs> I mean, this could be something we could stream on Switch. Is <laughs> <laughs> we like have a have like an Oregon Trail like like sort of crossover between that and like GTA? Oh well, there I mean, is this Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> actually, yeah, you're right. You, know, you steal a cow. <laughs> yeah, it's if you want the modern equivalent of the Oregon Trail in a GTA style environment, play Red Dead Redemption too. Okay, enough fun. Enough enough fun, Tom. We have to get back to the show. Well, here. you say that. I've just loaded up an emulator with the Oregon Trail on. <laughs> have fun, my you friend. One, travel the trail. You know, travel the trail. <laughs> okay, so this next match. <laughs> this next match. Do you want to be a banker from Boston or a farmer from Illinois? <laughs> Put the game down, Tom. <laughs> What's the name of our wagon leader? It's Justin. John Eiley. <laughs> First names of the other four are John. John. No, no, Johnny. no. no, no. It's some, we, need some, we need some variety here. Okay. We need some, we need some variety. We need, we need Barry in there. Barry. He, he can kill the rabbits. And um, Adam Pachitti. <laughs> oh, I can't fit it on. So you'll be Adam Pachit. <laughs> Are these names correct? Yes. Okay, it's 1848. Your jumping-off place for Oregon is Independence, Missouri. You must decide which month to leave Independence. <laughs> FYI, if you're listening to this podcast and getting annoyed, right, this is free. Shut up. Uh, we must decide which month to leave Independence. March, April, May, June, July, or ask for advice. Yeah, let's do it for May. We're going to go for we're... May. We're going to move in May. Let's do it. Let's do it. What happened to that bison? <laughs> John Eiley shot him, and so now we've got them. <laughs> Before leaving Independence, you should buy equipment and have supplies. You have $400 Tom. in cash. Tom. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> we have a show here. Okay. Hello, I'm Matt. So you're going to Oregon. <laughs> I can fix you up with what you need. A team bam, of bam, to pull your wagon or clothing for both summer and winter. Oh, he's given us all this stuff. All right. Thomas Tiberius Campbell. Fine. Put the, Fine. Put, this, put the simulator down. All right. Put it down. Put it down. I've just bought two oxen. <laughs> put it down. I've stopped. I've stopped. I'm taking the oxen rehab, you, you douche. We're going to do Oregon Trail on Twitch. Okay, just Adam's do it gonna, later. Adam's going to change the passwords to stop me doing it again. <laughs> Does that really happen? No. It won't okay, happen. Well, it might do. It depends. I do like jumping on the Twitch stream well, and playing stuff. Okay. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Tyrone Knox. <laughs> and and this is when I realized that those guys who got hurt earlier were apparently germane to the show. Because we, we go into Stalamania the rest of the way. Oh, and it just... 
Isn't it just... This is a very slow bit. Whoever timed this show out didn't carry the one. <laughs> Do you think they realised as the show was in progress that, oh, we've knackered the timings here, lads? I think so. Because <laughs> this match goes on forever. And Bigelow's like, he runs out of stuff to do. He's down to just a mustache at this point, which is a bad look for him. Oh, yeah. I I like him when he's got a bit more going on. Like either a full beard. Yeah. Either a full beard or nothing, to be honest. But I think a full beard mm-hmm. is always a strong look for him. Yeah, with a mustache, he looks like Nicholson in the last detail. <laughs> we panned in on, on a Vince for Senate sign. And then wrong McMahon. Even then, they didn't win. And he, I loved how, like, oh, not me, surely. <laughs> Get us out of that. <laughs> Film it quick. <laughs> He's got to run. He's got to run. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get my mate Don to do it. So it's just usual Bigelow dominance, but it's a very slow squash. I get the sense that this is like a 90-second match at most. It turns into like a five-minute match. They probably realize, um, we're supposed to have some shots of foliage on this show. But the camera guy slipped and fell on a on a stray moose somewhere. So, um, Bamian, could you? Man, yeah, uh, I was gonna just... say this is the guy in it. This is this is why the shots look a bit weird because two of the guys that normally put this stuff together have had an accident. Yes, and um, the whole show is in disarray. So, like I said, it's very slow squash. We got we, we got rest holds galore here. Tyrone Knox managed to hit a big clothesline, but he falls down off of it, which makes sense because it's Bam Bam. He, he, he's a house on legs. Slow. He's a very slow boy. This match is just continuing. It may still be going to this day, Legend says. A lot of rest holds. <laughs> Bigelow wins with an Enzu Kiri where Knox falls the wrong way. Whatever, at least it's over. We made it sound faster than it was, but my God, we it zipped wasn't. through it. But it, this was a this was a uh, a dog of a match. It truly was. <laughs> Maybe we should just play Oregon Trail and Lube describing this match. <laughs> Maybe next so, time we will. So we get a very interesting bit of business here. We we have a, just a brief drop in on Vince while Lola gets ready for the King's Court, where Vince doesn't detail us that Randy Savage did not sign a new deal with the company, couldn't come to terms. And he wishes Savages all the best, and he thanks him for his contributions and his memories, and says Godspeed and good luck. Now, is it me, or did he look a bit teary? Well, I think he was trying to put on a brave face here, but you can tell that it was definitely eating at him. I, I wonder why he went, he went this conciliatory route, and I thought about it. And the best I could, I could figure is... After burying Hogan the way he did and seeing Hogan doing great elsewhere and now having less inclination to come back, maybe he's trying to be a little bit more sugary towards Savage and hopes that maybe one day – well, maybe he hasn't signed that new deal yet. Maybe he'll reconsider and come back. Mm, so you think this might be him sort of trying to curry favor with with Savage? Well, I think he's just trying to think of a different route than he did with Hogan where he's basically – you know, happily calling Hogan old and all this stuff, and maybe, maybe trying to realize the error of his ways and show that he's learned the error of his ways. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility. I mean, I have heard stories of of um, of Vince 
crying when people leave. Like CM Punk talked about it and said that when CM Punk was leaving, like Vince was shedding a tear. And Punk was like, "What? I don't get it. Why are you crying? Like you hate me. You should be over the moon that I'm leaving." He couldn't figure it out. It was very, it was very unsettling. Because he's losing one of his toys. Yeah, probably what it was. It's like, oh, he's, it's no longer in his control. So you think maybe this is a, just a different approach with Savage? Well, I, well, I think he's more desperate at this point, Vince. He's uh, he's losing everything. It's all, it's all coming undone. So we go to the King's Court with the one, two, three kid as the guest. Kid has this weird singlet on the show where it's 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 it's, it's the full body blue suit, but it's like red around the waist and with like leg flares. It's a very odd look. Yeah, it's this is uh this isn't his finest work here in the King's no. Court. No, it's uh first Lawler mocks Kid's appearance. He says he what was it if he, he's gonna wear a white fuzzy hat and white fuzzy shoes and we got trick or treating it as a Q tip. That was kind of funny. In a cruise ship comedian kind of way. Yeah. It, it was like 0. 0.5 on the Don Rickles scale of insults. <laughs> so kids facing Bob back on next week's show. He cuts his usual determined promo. I'm going to give it 110%. Mr. Backlund, you know, you're a great wrestler, but I'm going to do my best. You know, this is not the Sean Walton we know. So while, so while kids doing this, you know, his, his I'm going to go to that promo. Backlund runs in. Kid beats him up, kicks him to the floor, and Backlund hangs from the ropes like, like he's a friggin' bat for a moment before just, just crumbling to the outside. <laughs> that was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> I did quite like that. I did quite like that. It just, just turns into a bit of a scuffle from here as well. Mm-hmm. And then Brett hits the ring to raise Kid's hand and steal his thunder. I mean, just <laughs> hand and that's it. It's, uh... Any, from anybody else, I would have gone steal thunder. For Brett, I let him off a little bit. You mean like all the times the, the you, you said Randy Savage always stole somebody's pop whenever he ran in the razor hand? <laughs> I think I think you drove Savage out actually. Do you reckon? Retroactively. <laughs> Owen and Nightheart hit the ring to guide back on the way. Bulldog's kind of late. He was taking a piss. Who knows? Could be the case. Yeah, it was like he was late, and they kind of referenced the fact that the bulldog. Oh, here comes bulldog as well! And then they have this long <laughs> shot where you see him right at the top of the ramp, where, where there's people already stopping him from entering. <laughs> yes, he's holding, he's holding, he's, he's holding a crumpled newspaper in his hands. What happened? <laughs> Pulling his trousers up. What did I miss? <laughs> you all right? All right. You need us for anything? All right. I don't care. Well, Vince accuses Lawler of conspiring with Backlund to hurt the kid, which segues deftly into an action zone plug. Next week, it's Bob Holly versus Jerry Lawler. Motorsport versus Motor Mouth. Flying High versus Royal Highness. In the most 90s music and graphics you can imagine. And weirdly, the use of the British flag when talking about Jerry Lawler. Obviously, the loose connection is royalty. Yes, because only England has ever had royal figures. Exactly. Can't make the Prince of Poland or the you know, Emir of some country. No, it's got to be the UK because that's how we understand royalty. I find and then we right. come to a match that made me very, very happy. 
You're either. I am indeed, mate. I, I know the one that you're talking about. And this made me smile as well because I wasn't so bothered about the main focus. I was fo- I focused on the the enhancement talent in question, for lack of a better term. Yes, it is Doink the Clown versus the one and the only Pat Tanaka. Ah, Pat Tanaka without a mask is currently in action here. This is excellent news. Pat Tanaka, formerly of the Orient Express and the tag team Bad Company, is back for some reason in in, in this random squash match in Bushkill, PA. Doink has his brigade of minis with him. They're handing out balloons. Apparently, Dink had silly string Lawler over the weekend. Silly string, is that how it goes? I don't don't, know what the past tense of that would be. Doink has a Jules Winfield Jerry curl going with his hair. I liked it. It's a good look. Mm -hmm. It's a strong... <laughs> <laughs> English mother effort, do you speak it? <laughs> do you reckon Pat Tanaka could have got a decent run in WWE? Or WWE? Yes, I, I, like, I don't get why they didn't bring him back for something, because you needed guys at this point, and Tanaka's a, a trusted vet who was still fairly young and could go, as evidenced by this match. Yeah, he's still got something to offer. Like, he's got a unique look about him. Granted, he is small. He's like 5'8", but still. He's Patanaka. He's still got something to offer. So I'm always amazed why they didn't take advantage of it. Because I think he could have done some cool stuff. For those of you youngins who have never seen Patanaka, do yourself a favor. Go to the network, watch the 1991 Royal Rumble, watch the Rockers versus the Orient Express. All will be understood then. Because it was one hell of a match. Oh, that's a good shout. Hmm. Tanaka busts out a leg drag here. The dragon screw leg whip. As ever, how did he not get rehired? Dink tells us Doink is number one, baby. Yes, with a clear French accent. <laughs> match is frenetic. It's, it's enjoyable for the time it is. Doink is the whoopee cushion with no sound effect. I wrote again, why did Tanaka not get rehired? <laughs> you had... you. you you have a talent dearth right now. Bring him in. Just, like, use him. Utilize him. Make him Avatar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are bringing somebody new in next week, but more on that shortly. But they oh, could yes. have really done with the talent here. Maybe it's best that, maybe it's best that, that old Pat Snucker didn't get that role. Actually, yeah. That could have, imagine so, that. We're bringing in Pat Tanaka. What you got for me? We've got this mask. <laughs> so we'll, we'll say more. We'll say more. But in the meantime, we have about 46 more minutes left of the show to fill. And it shows. You, this is where they. This is where the timing is obviously way off. Because we get this extendo bit after the match where Doink takes Lawler's crown. He wears it. And then Dink wears it. And then I wrote in my notes, I'm going to pay double for Survivor Series. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is just, again, it's that whole thing of, like, the pacing of the shows are so weird. They're, they've spent, like, a year now finding the sides in terms of where the, where, how to put the show together, how to structure it. And when they get it right, it's fine. When they get it wrong, mm-hmm. boy, do you notice it. Yes, it is not very tightly uh, directed here. Yeah. Couldn't Doink get, couldn't Doink get, 
and Tanaka have gone like an extra two minutes just to help out here? Apparently not. Uh, well, whether or not they were just told, I mean, potentially they could have just been told go and do this amount of time, and then it wasn't communicated to them that they were still running short. Well, here's one of your filler bits. We have a one nine hundred poll. These are always fun. Nice little cash grab. Where they ask fans, what's more effective, the sharpshooter or the chicken wing? <laughs> I like this. Yes, it um, was in terms of like um, a thing to build to a submission match. Okay. But... Let me paint a little picture for you, Tom. Okay. You're ten years old. You still have the beard. I, I did indeed. <laughs> You see this on Monday Night Raw. You're shaking your fist. You're so excited. You run to your mom. Mom, can I call the 1-900 number? Mom, and, and, mom, and... mommy. <laughs> I, I need to advocate for the sharpshooter in this poll that costs $1.49 a minute. <laughs> also, I want to hear controversial interviews that they've advertised. I can't imagine what those would be. What would they have been in the in this era? They can't have been anything. They'd be like, well, here's a controversial interview. Shawn Michaels going, hey, Diesel, you smell. <laughs> Melters on the other line going, wow, this is either crap or it's not. <laughs> Melters like, I can't believe I call this 12 times a day. <laughs> Bob, Bob Holly, pineapple on pizza is a good thing. <laughs> Well, he said it was a good thing, but <laughs> oh, well, wrestling, wrestling gossip was crap in the nineties. I mean, I mean, the Hawaiians eat it. Um, and and who were we to to judge? Um, Crush. you know, um, cul culinary preferences. Pizza with a nice, nice tall glass of Hawaiian punch to go with it. So we come, we come back and Lawler's still mad about his crown because apparently there's green hairs in it now. I can't wait for Survivor Aww. Series. I just it's the whole idea that this is the last match that they're that they're for the night that they are pushing. It's this it's this this match that's gonna set wrestling back about thirty years. Well, keep in mind everyone's probably watching Monday Night Football at this point. Oh no! Wait, what? Sorry, I got distracted. Uh, very little water. John has typhoid. Carry on. What were you saying? Wait, what? <laughs> John got typhoid. Is he okay? No. He's got typhoid and very little water. And Heidi Lee's got exhaustion. We've only been out. We've only been on the trail for a month. Well, They're about wait, to drop. Were you playing this whole time? <laughs> I ain't got the heart to tell you, but I think you've got cholera. <laughs> wait, wait, why am I in the wagon? <laughs> You're in the wagon, mate. It's me, you, John, Heidi Lee Morgan, and Adam Pacitti. You better save my goddamn ass. Damn, I, I might do. <laughs> we're uh, we're about 37 miles from the next landmark. I'm making you on fire for later. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. What were you saying? Oh. I was just checking the Monday Night Football results for 94. The, uh, uh, the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants are playing that night, so I imagine that's two big markets, two popular teams. Maybe they kind of just threw in the towel on the show. Do you reckon? I mean, it, it's a bit like the, the, the time I remember them doing that, the most high-profile time in the modern era, I remember them doing that. And you might remember otherwise. 
Do you remember the night where they had the presidential debate on? Yes. And they had backlash. Uh, it was a SmackDown I, only pay per view. And, and they opened with like Cena, Ambrose, and Styles. That was it. That was that was your main event. It was your opening match, and the main event was uh, I think Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Yeah, they configured it in such an odd way. Because they just went, you know what, we're not going to compete against something that will decide the country, so we're just going to put our main event on first, and you can go and watch that. It was funny because months earlier at Money in the Bank, it was the night of the 2016 NBA Finals with Cleveland versus Golden State. And very late in that game, after the ladder match and whatever else, they sent Rusev and Titus O'Neil out for like eight minutes to wrestle. Like during the closing stages of that game, knowing everybody, everybody was, was going to be watching uh, – his final minutes of the game anyway, which I did. And then came back in time to see Roman versus Styles. Yeah, it's funny when you have these shows where they sort of admit defeat. I'm not saying that was the case here, but it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me because Cowboys were the defending champions. Giants are the biggest media market in New York, and it wouldn't surprise me. So for next week's show, keep in mind, there's, there's still about five minutes left in this show, and we're already plugging next week because now we're just trying to put something in there. Vince tells us we'll see the raw debut of Aldo Mantoya. Oh, is this the Portuguese man of war? Yes, it's Aldo Montoya, but Vince calls him Mantoya because I think he's a. Uh, <laughs> it never seems Lord to knows. amaze me when Vince McMahon gets the names wrong of people he's hired. <laughs> yes, especially one who is the Portuguese man of war, aka a guy from Connecticut. <laughs> Yes, poor PJ Walker, who was an enhancement talent for some time on this show, had done such a good job helping, well, in their mind, such a good job helping Brian Lee become the Undertaker by doing bumps for him at a at the M Studio, and and and, and being the tackling dummy while he got all the nuances down, decided to give him a push as the Portuguese Man of War out of Montoya, which involves wearing green and red tights, yellow boots, and a yellow jock strap over his face. <laughs> it's a hell of a look that is some reward it's like have you seen our dog if found please return him Re- reward is herpes <laughs> also Jeff Jarrett will be in action must have been a hell of a game on that night too <laughs> putting Jeff in there actually when was the last time Jeff was on it's been a little bit I think if he's doing a few weeks ago, actually, in a decent yeah, match. Yeah, that was the main event, wasn't it? Yeah, the opener. That was it. Plus we got, I remember that now. Plus we, it wasn't that bad. It was just very, blue. very colourful. Yes, it was. Uh, it blew my screen out. <laughs> we got Bulldog and Owen on King's Court. Backlund versus Kid, of course. And then all three of all his sidekicks come out, and he berates them for not helping. Lord gives him a pep talk while Vince is talking to the camera. God, we're really stretching for time here. Finn's talks about how Kid's going to upset Backlund. And then Doink's sidekicks all come back, and we have we have this little standoff. And, well, yeah. <laughs> this is just padded, isn't it? They're just padded here. How about we pad our show by having Strummer Witch sing? Do you know what? I'm glad you said that, 
because that sounds like a lovely idea because I think it's that point in the show where we throw over to our very good friend Stromowitz who can sum up some of the finer points of what we've talked about today in the medium of song. It's been ten long months, but the pain persists. Poor Undertaker was hammered by twenty fists. The heel superstars all attacked in mass, hitting their finishes while the urns seemed gas. The Undertaker said as he floated away that he'd come for revenge some distant day. Kabuki heeded the words and never came back, but the other heels will pick up. Up the slack. So what does Vince do to prevent intrusions and ensure a true winner with that confusion? What did Vince do to keep the casket match intact? He went to the source of the Chuck Norris fact. After all, Chuck Norris can make an onion cry and delete the recycle bin on Windows 95. You know he once built the snowman out of rain, so we know he can solve the interference train. Sure, they could just fire those that get involved with such a rule in place. That problem is solved. Or you could stick Taker and Yoko inside a steel cage. Or film a cinematic match on a close sound stage. Why not just barricade all the locker room doors? Or put giant glue traps on the aisleway floor? Maybe blockade the curtain with some oversized Jeep. Cause Walker, Texas Ranger doesn't work for Cheap. But McMahon just had to have that celebrity rub To try to put wrestling back in the social love The wrestlers are all lucky Chuck Norris didn't say Or else he'd be world champ to this very day I love a song full of Chuck Norris facts Well, a song about Chuck Norris in general doesn't have to be the facts. Could it be Chuck Norris fiction? (laughs) How dare you? They are all facts. (laughs) All of it. They are all facts. Thank you, Shermerwitz. So that was raw. That was raw, mate. It was a a melancholy one due to lack of Randy Savage. Do you think the lack of Savage hurt it? Well, they tried to comment that I have him Bret Hart in there because Vince talked to him at the very end. Man, they are filling this show. Oh, God. This bit with... Oh, I nearly forgot. This bit with Bret Hart at the end. Oh, just riveted, man. Just riveted on. Just, this is, this is Brett and his dirt worse. <laughs> this yeah, is, Brett like, is just... and I know, and, and it, this is why people get into the argument over whether or not Brett was the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Because when you, in, in my opinion, I am H-O, you, if you're the best, you have to be the best all round. I.e., like, the wrestler, the talker, you have to be to a very high standard of all. I just find it difficult to to call somebody who was a phenomenal talker but an average wrestler the best in the same way you get someone like Brett who I must admit most of the time I hear him talk he found he sounds disinterested. And here he sounded so disinterested and so all over the shop. It was bad. Well there's no passion to it. He's probably just asked, hey can you do a quick interview at the very end here because who we we um we underestimated their time here. That's just what it sounds like to me. Yeah, but there's a few times when he's done stuff to camera, and I've just been like, oh, okay. Or he's just where he's been asked to speak. There's only a handful of times where I've really liked the stuff he said. 
he just puts kid over a little bit and just says like you know i'll have his back next week he's the best of the new generation and he just goes on and on for a little bit and until we run out of time and that's that we close with a free with a slow slow motion shot of brett putting iheart in the sharpshooter and that is it for this week and that is your show uh off we go to how many weeks away from survivor series are we uh we have two rolls left uh I vote that we skip Survivor Series Showdown because there's no point to it. It is virtually nothing. Yeah, that's fine. We can just go straight to Survivor Series 1994. Yeah, the faster we can get through that, the happier I'll be. The faster we can get through 95, the happier I'll be. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the worst is well and truly yet to come. Uh, when we get to Survivor Series 94, uh, it's going to be a watch-along special. As we are one mm-hmm. to do, every time we get to a pay-per-view in our timeline, we like to sit and watch the pay-per-view in its entirety. And uh, we will be accompanied by our, our brother from another mother, the the sister podcast uh, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review from the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review. Matthew Gregg will be jumping back in time with us to watch this with us. Yes, hopefully one day he'll have a you want once more to do one of his uh, Botchamania read-alongs. Oh, I hope so. I love doing that. I like doing a read along. I, ha- I was happy to see you that day. Like, hey, it's my boy. He's on the TV. I'm on the telly. I made it. <laughs> that TV show that me and my brother used to watch and we were on holiday. I'm on that now. What a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive indeed. What a time. And until the next time, we are blessed with your liveliness. He is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. We will see you next time. Adam Pacitti has measles and we're 58 miles from the next landmark. <gasps> Love you, bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.